talking this morning on for being prepared by pressure. Be prepared by pressure. I'm sure nobody in the room has ever experienced or experiencing pressure. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, frustrations that come at us, what people do to us, what people say about us, it produces pressure, doesn't it? Uh, circumstances that happen to us, uh, they, they, they produce pressure. Our dreams not coming to pass on our timetable, being a little bit too slow for our liking. You know, it can produce pressure in our life. It can make us upset. And, uh, you know, on the surface, it can sound small. You know, getting frustrated, getting upset, getting agitated. It can seem like a small thing in the grand scope of life. But, but how many know pressures can easily move us away from our place of peace? Uh, move us out of the quote-unquote, sanctification, our place of sanctification. Pressure can move us out of that place quicker than you can say boo. Uh, and, and it can easily become a way of life. And this isn't God's best. Pressures come. We're going to look at what does God say about pressures. Does he just remove them all with his magic wand? Or, or is there another way that he goes about them? But if we don't approach the pressure from the right way, we can end up living a life of complaining and anger and bitterness and while God will still love us, we don't enjoy the journey. And I think you're here this morning because you want to enjoy the journey. Am I on the right? Are we talking? Am I talking to the right crowd? You want to enjoy the journey? Three people, amen. All right, well, I'm going to take it by, am I, maybe I need another gravel, Dr. Betty. I'll go slower so you can even better understand me. But here's the thing. I've discovered that God doesn't immediately remove every pressure out of our lives. And I know that doesn't get us a lot of, hand claps for that point, but the reality, if we don't approach it from the right perspective, we get disillusioned, and God doesn't immediately remove every pressure out of our lives. Instead, he leads us to have this attitude. Psalm 46 and verse 10, he said, be still and know that I am God. Even when nothing's going my way, be still and know that he has a plan. Say it with me. Say, be still. Say, be still. And many times we have to tell ourselves, talk to ourselves, preach to ourselves, be still. You know, you could reverse Psalm 46. This gravel is really working. I'm telling you, it's making my thoughts just slow down to a, like a snail's pace here. <laughs> Normally my th thoughts are going like this. Today they're like going slowly. So I'm having to group, regroup myself here. But anyhow. It's coming, and it's good. So look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be good either way. Psalm 40, let's just say I reverse Psalm 46 and verse 10, and I'm not rewriting the scripture, so don't throw stones at me, but go ahead and put up the next slide, my reversal of Psalm 40. Be agitated, be frustrated, be discouraged, upset, annoyed, disappointed, and forget that I am God. Forget. Now, I'm not saying we forget, oh, he's not God. I'm talking that knowing, experiential knowing that he is God in my Difficulties. He's God in my challenges. He's God in my problems. Beast, it takes a stillness to know it. And that's why God is leading us to this place of stillness. The word still, it means to, to drop it, to let it go, to refrain or to, to relax. That's what it means to be still. It means when we're tempted to be frustrated, let it go. Stop harping on the person that is agitating, putting pressure. Stop harping. I like, we all like to harp when we think we're the right, in the right, but that's not being still. How many know you can't change someone else anyhow? 
Stop fretting when the bad report comes in. Stop pulling our hair out. You know, I'm not saying we don't believe God for his best. Of course we do. We believe God. We study. We learn. We make our, our, ourselves the best people we can be. But what, what but this be still means is that while I'm believing God, and I haven't seen the change yet, I'm not pulling out my hair while I wait. I'm not fretting while I'm standing on the promise. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, do what you can do, but turn it over to God. And let him do what he can do best. I say it this way, but the pressure is a type of test. Will we be still and will we let it, will we be still and know that he is God? Or will we let it get us sidetracked from what he has for our lives? Or will we be sidetracked by peace, by what so-and-so said about us? Will we be sidetracked from being still when the doctor's report says it doesn't look so hopeful? Or when the bank says it's not going to work for you, I'm not going to give you what you you asked for? Are we going to move from the place of peace, complain and get angry? or, Or will we be still and know? He's provider. He is healer. He is my everything. We all wish, and I myself included, that he'd just wave his magic wand and it would be gone, right? But think about Peter in the Bible. Peter faced a serious challenge. But note Jesus', Jesus response, Luke chapter 22. In verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. So notice who's bringing the challenge. Not God. God doesn't bring sickness and poverty. He doesn't do all that. But Satan, he says, Satan has asked for you that you may be sifted as wheat. So does Jesus say, so I've removed the pressure from you. I've, I've kicked Satan, I've, I've kicked him in the butt. I mean, Jesus did all that. But in this circumstance, I've just removed the pressure. No, Jesus said, but I've prayed for you that your faith in the sifting, in the challenge, in the pressure, that your faith would not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Pressure came to Peter. Jesus didn't remove the pressure, didn't remove him from the pressure. He said, I believe in you, I'm with you. You're going to be stronger on the other side of the pressure. And let me tell you, when Peter came out the pre- outside the other, on the other, it's affecting my words too, Dr. Betty. When he came out the other side of the pressure, that weak, wavering man now stood up and preached and 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost. He was being prepared by pressure. Jesus didn't remove it. He said, I'm with you in the pressure. You're going to discover you're stronger than you thought you were. You're going to come out differently. You're being prepared by the pressure. And God, in the same way, God wants us to be stronger. It's like the old adage. Teach, give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll not only eat for a lifetime, but he'll feed others. That's what happened to Peter. Jesus could have just removed the sifting. Then he would have been dependent his entire life. But Jesus proved that Jesus worked with Peter to prove that he was strong. So that not only Peter came out stronger for himself, but he fed a whole lot of people. Founder of the modern, he's the founder of the church, if you will. God wants us stronger. You see, I can put it this way, that real victory comes. Not when our pressure has been removed. We like that, I love it, I absolutely love it. When my pressure has been removed, when my frustrations are gone. But that's not real victory. Real victory is when pressure comes, but I'm not moved by the pressure. That is a freeing place to live. And that is the place that God is leading us to. 
preparing us by the pressure. When we can face the pressure and not be moved by it, anybody can be happy when times are good. Anybody can. But it takes real faith to be still when the storm is raging all around. When the report is <coughs> coming back time and time again with a negative report, a mature person's at peace, even in the middle of the storm. God wants us to mature. We love that word maturity, but it's true. And it's from a perspective of a father to a child. I'm a father now. I love my son, but I want him to mature. He's only one year old, so I give him time, you know. But I want him to mature. So far, about all I've taught him is to take his shoes to the basket. But my God, he loves to do that. He'll take his little shoes so proud and just and put them away in the basket. We want our children to mature, right? God wants us to mature as a loving father, not as a taskmaster. I'm, look, I'm looking to see, you know, if I've done just right and I'm going to get them. No, that's not the way he operates. But he is a loving father wanting us to uh, uh, mature. Amen? And like Peter, when the challenge comes, recognize it wasn't Jesus who was sifting Peter. It wasn't the father. It was Satan. We saw that in the story of Job, look behind the scenes. It was Satan who was bringing the difficulties. We don't blame God, but we recognize that, that even in all of that, God's at work and he is preparing us. He's working with us. He's transforming us from being weak into strong. He uses the pressure to prepare us for greater. Greater levels of authority, greater levels of being used. And today I'm asking each of us to recognize the pressures that you are facing, that I am facing. They will not last. But we recognize that in the middle of them, God is on our side. Like Peter, he was with them. Like Peter, he was believing that his faith would stand. God is believing that your faith would stand and then that you will come out stronger on the other side. And in that, you will become a blessing to others, strengthening, imparting to others that which you've learned in the pressure. Say it with me. Say, I'm prepared by pressure. Say, I'm prepared by pressure. Jesus faced pressure. I mean, no, Jesus was, so many times we relegate Jesus, Pastor Peter talked about this last week, to the Son of God, and he was fully God, but he was also the Son of Man. In other words, he was human flesh, fully human flesh. And in hu fully, full human flesh, he faced temptations in every way like we face today. He faced the temptation of pressure to leave the place of peace. He faced betrayal by those who are closest to him. Have you been betrayed by someone you love? Have you been disillusioned, discouraged by somebody that you trusted? How many know there is nothing that can move us out of the place of stillness than other people who let us down? I'm telling you, whether I look at my own life, I hear the stories, you know, of helping people, there is nothing that moves us quicker out of the place of stillness than people getting under our you're looking at me very holy, but I know it's, you, you know, anyhow. I'm not coming off the platform. It's nicely up here right now. So, But in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus faced betrayal. He needed his friends to support him. Matthew chapter 26, let's read it. Jesus is about to go through the dark night of his soul, if you will. The toughest time of his life. And in Matthew 26, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, he took uh, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He needed their help. He was in a tough place. He was sorrowful. He was troubled. He was overwhelmed. So he said, stay here. Keep watch with me. In other words, he's saying, I need your help. Pray for me. And then going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as your will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Then he went away a second time. My father, it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more. And he prayed the third time saying the same thing. I'll stop there. But we see here two times Jesus pleads with those who are closest to him, his disciples. He pleads with them and he says, I need your support. Stand with me. Pray for me. I mean, he had pressure. He was facing pressure so great that he sweat drops like blood. That's pressure. I, I have never done that, so I haven't faced pressure like that. See, facing the immense pressure, greater than anything I've ever faced, most of us in this room have ever faced, He's saying, I need your support. As a, as, a, as a man, I need your support. I need you. And he was let down. Two times, comes back, and they were sleeping. Nothing moves us from the place of stillness than when we are let down by those that we, by a family member that betrays us, or a friend that we thought would stand with us through thick or thin, and they, they, they didn't, or someone disappoints us. Nothing moves us from the place of peace quickly. So Jesus, he, he's, he's disappointed by his disciples two times. They, he goes back and he wakes them up. And he says, I need you. I, stand with me. Pray with me. I'm in a dark time right now. I, I need your help. But finally, on the third time, notice Jesus' response. He said, okay, guys, if you're not with me, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, if you're not going to stand with me, if you're not going to pray with me, no problem. Keep on sleeping. Keep on. Did he, try, he didn't try to wake them the third time. He said, you know what? If the Father doesn't think I need your support in this moment, then I don't need it. And I know that my Father and I are a majority. So I, if he's allowed you to keep on sleeping, it means that I'm strong enough to go through this pressure and to come out on the other side a victor, a champion. And in Jesus' case, rec a reconciler of the entire world. He had to go first through Gethsemane. And he could have kept trying to wake them up. That's what I would have done. <laughs> and you look at me so innocently... But I think you might have kept trying to wake, shaking them, wake up, wake up, I need your help. But the third time Jesus said, you know what, I want your support. Probably I think I deserve your support. I've, you know, given you my everything for these uh, last three years. I, I've stood with you, I've supplied for you, I've provided for you, I've done it all. I, I deserve it. But he came to the place where he recognized, you know what, if, if the Father hasn't allowed you to wake up, then I know he has another way of escape for me through this challenge. In other words, he said, just keep on sleeping. And you know why I share this? Because there'll be times in every one of our lives in relationships where people let us down. And if you haven't been let down by somebody yet, you've lived a very privileged life. It might happen to you in the future. But it could be a husband or a wife that we thought would stand with us through thick or thin, and they didn't. It could be a coworker that we thought that would have our back with the supervisor when it was promotion time, and they didn't. They stabbed us in the back. Or it could be any circumstance. We thought someone was our friend, and they ended up gossiping about us. There'll be times when things don't work out the way we thought that they would. And I'm asking us, and I think God is asking us, to have this attitude like Jesus, that whether they're with me or they're not, 
I know who I am. I know who my father is, and I know where my victory is coming from. I'm not dependent on them for my victory. I'd like to have it. I mean, Jesus did try twice to wake them up. I'm not saying we don't need other people. I'd like to have it, and so would you. But he's saying, if that's not the way it's going to be, I know God has another way for me. And the, Jesus and that essentially was saying, I know that I'm being prepared by the pressure, and I'm going to be used through this for something greater. He ended up becoming recon the reconciler of the world, amen? But you see, I think sometimes God allows for other people's support to be withdrawn from us. Not necessarily even all the times that they're bad people. But I think if we had their support 100% of the time, we could become dependent on that support more than God's support. And how many know there's nothing wrong with other people? Remember, there's two ditches to everything. We need people. We teach on that. But at the same time, if our dependency is on other people more than God, it limits what we can do in life people, no matter how good the other person is, they will, I hate to break it to you, I will disappoint you. Dr. Betty, we will disappoint you. Schubert, who is like an angel saint, he will disappoint you. I'm picking on people who I, I know will be okay if I say their name, but no, no, please. But, but everybody will. Come on now. Everybody will be disappointed. And that's why God's leading us to this place where we recognize that whether they're for me or against me, whether they disappoint me, whether they stand with me when I, when I need them, I know that he's just taking me to a place where I'm more dependent. You know, God doesn't need so-and-so to get you to where he's taking you. We think, well, if only I could have Susie, uh, Aunt Matilda's million dollars in her inheritance, then I would be prosperous. Can you know God can get you a million dollars a million different ways. He doesn't need Auntie Matilda. I would like if Auntie Matilda gave you a million dollars and you tithed on it to this. That would be good. But, but, but how many know God has many ways? And if we are dependent only on, or, or, your, or say, you know, a supervisor, Ted, would only, if he'd only put in a word for my promotion, then I'd be, I mean, oh, God can promote you even if supervisor, Ted, doesn't stand with you when it comes promotion time. Amen? God can do all amazing kind of crazy things. He doesn't need other people. And again, don't go to the ditch and say, oh, I don't need people. We need people. Jesus tied twice to wake up his disciples. But I'm saying like Jesus, if they're not responding the first or the second time, let them keep on sleeping. Look at your neighbor and say, keep on sleeping. <laughs> See, this is part of being still and know that I am God. But you know what? It also makes it, this, I'm off my notes a little bit, but this also makes relationships a little bit easier. I found that when I have expectations, unrealistic expectations of, say, my spouse, it makes a very cantankerous relationship. It's so much easier when we can be still and know, you know what? They're not always going to be perfect. They're not always going to... You know, they're going to disappoint me, but they're not my source. We love our spouses, we do, but they're not our source of happiness, are they, Dr. Betty? They are not our source of happiness. They're not our, we are, anyhow, never, I'm getting off track. All right, so, <laughs> it's the gravel. When we, <laughs> I call it the gravel anointing. There's a new one, Dean. When we know, here's the thing, when we know that we're approved by God, and we preach that every Sunday here at the Celebration Church, we don't need everyone else to approve us. Amen? And it becomes a real problem when we go around trying to make everybody else approve of us. Why? Because people change their minds. Jesus went into Jerusalem and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And two days or three, I forget how many days, but they, it's the gravel, that's why I forget. That they said, crucify him. One day Hosanna, the next day crucify him. 
you know what, your biggest supporter today may be your biggest enemy tomorrow. Your biggest enemy tomorrow may be your biggest supporter tomorrow at the workplace, in your, in your relationships, in friendships, at high school, wherever. It's a freeing thing to know that my approval doesn't come from other people. So whether they're with, I love it when they're with me, but whether they're with me or they're not, I know where my source is. What I'm asking us today is like Jesus, stop trying to drag people along our story who don't want to be with us. Let them keep on sleeping. Sometimes I really think we can become too dependent on things around us. Remember I said, take this from a perspective of a father, the heavenly father who loves us and who is maturing us. You know, my, <coughs> many of you are parents. I am now an, a parent. And when a baby is young, what do they love? How do they love to eat? They love to suck on a ball, right? But if my, if my son Leo is 47 and still sucking on his bottle, how many know I as a father will have done a very terrible job? You'll probably come and say, Nathan, I think you're a terrible dad. You have limited your son's prospects to get a wife and to get a job because he goes on break and he has a bottle. You see, so... But how many know that when I try to bring, take my son off his bottle, he hates it. He, I mean, babies hate being weaned off the bottle. If not, they cry, right? They, I mean, it's horrible. They, you think you're killed, abusing them. <laughs> Sometimes I think we need to be weaned off of dependence of other people, other circumstances. Not because they're bad. We need people. We need circumstances. Remember, two ditches, two ditches, two ditches. But, but if our dependence is on, greater on them than on, on God, we're limited. We're like a 47-year-old still sucking on a bottle. Just That's not what we want to be, amen? God wants us to mature. Remember, we said real victory is being surrounded by the pressure but not being moved. It's facing the situation but being still in the midst of it, amen? And today, the pressures that we're facing, the people, the bad reports, the dreams, Recognize that these pressures, they are just weaning us off dependence. You have me know in the tough times, you, sometimes you have no choice but to depend on him. And it's preparing, it's preparing, it's preparing us for greater. Peter, he overcame his trial. He was sifted as wheat, but he overcame and he preached to, to 3,000. I think of Barton. I see Barton sitting here. Barton suffered with cancer many years ago. God revealed himself as healer to Barton, and now he oversees our our healing rooms. He, he brought, I'm not saying the sickness was from God. Again, two ditches. This, God didn't put sickness on Barton so he could be the leader of the healing rooms now. But in the difficulty, God revealed himself as healer. Amen? And God uses our difficulties. Jesus, he overcame his difficulty of Gethsemane and he became the reconciler of the world. I think of Patricia who shared her story a couple of weeks ago and she shared how she had been hurt at, at a church. And hated church people, quote unquote. But God healed her heart, and now she's a ray, a ray of sunshine, a ray of light, a ray of love at our lobby every Sunday. I think sometimes people get more out of our lobby ministry than the preaching ministry. So, but, but I'm not saying God even God brought that difficulty to her. But in it, He works to shape us, to mold us, to make us stronger, to bring us out better on the other side. He's preparing us for by the pressure. Amen. see, the scriptures call this, and I, I, you know, I, I say this with hesitance because there's always two ditches to everything, but the scriptures do call this a test of faith. And I say it again, a test from a loving father, not from a father who's looking to trip us up, 
to try and, you know, find, prove that, oh, you're not good enough. No. But it, the scriptures do talk. First Peter chapter 1, the scripture says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than, silk, uh, precious than, precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, there is only one way that we can rejoice when we're going through the fire. And that is if we can recognize it's just a test. Tests are not given to destroy us. When you take a test in grade one, do they give you a test so that you'll flunk and leave school? Or do they give a test so that you can be promoted to grade two? When you're at university and you take a test, or you take a test to, you know, by a professor who just wants to trip, maybe there are some bad ones, but for the most part, by a professor who wants to keep you out of the job force, or one who is trying to get you to pass so you can go into the workforce. Tests aren't a bad thing. They are preparing us for greater. And Peter talks about a test of faith, not from a taskmaster looking to trip us up, but from a father who wants to be sure that we are ready for increase, for greater. It's like a, in 2008, when the banks were about to collapse, they did stress tests on banks, not to shut down the banks, but to prove that the banks could remain solvent in a financial crisis. You see, God allows a test because he's looking to see if we're ready to handle the pressure that comes with the more. How many know promotion always produces more pressure? Always. When you go from being an employee to an employer, boss, how many know the, the pressure goes up exponentially, right? Goes up a lot. When, here's a good one, when you go from being single, I didn't have to say it. All the married, you know what I'm talking about. Even a tube of toothpaste put the wrong way starts World War III. It was so much simpler when I could just... I mean, no, it's so much, a lot less pressure when I could just do the toothpaste and leave it whichever way I want. Kick off the shoes and leave them wherever I want. You know, you know what I'm talking Get home whenever I, you know what I'm talking about. We're so, we, we, and we so, we so much want the, the more, the, the promotion, the increase. And God's the God of increase, promotion, all that. That's true. But I think sometimes maybe he spares us because if we got into that, what kind of mess it would be in? Or, or. When we go from having no children to having a child, right? Megan and I, we believed for 13 years of marriage to have a child. Now some days I wonder, what was I believing? No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> <coughs> but you got to admit, parents, when they're awake at midnight and you don't feel good, you sometimes have those fleeting thoughts. And you rebuke them, of course, immediately, right? Okay, back on track. See, sometimes I think the 13 years prepared me so I would be not be a complainer today. You see what I mean? But anyhow, anyhow, where am I? Where am I? Blame it on the gravel. All right, are you, are you following me okay, Johan? I think so. He's smiling, so that's good. So, so here's the point. If it's a test, how do we know when we're ready? When we're in the pressure of life and they don't move us. Pretty simple. See, we can even look at it from our own understanding and say, am I being moved by what my life is right now? Because if I'm being moved by what my life is right now, why do I want more? And I'm not, by the way, 
I'm not talking about physical healing right now. That's just there. Physical healing is something that we're going to pray at the end of this service. That is just a no-brainer. I'm talking about the increase, promotions of life. I know you, you understand what I'm talking about, right? Okay. So, but, I'm, but, but why do would we want a more complex life, promotion, increase, greater, when what we have God right now is just stressing us to the max, right? You see, God is a loving Father. And this is how we can have this understanding that I'm being prepared by the pressure so that when I get to the place of increased promotion, that I am not going to crack under the pressure. See, God is preparing us by letting us go through that. Now, now, now I've got to throw a little caveat into this. If I look at myself, my life, and I see that I'm not passing the test, how do I respond to that? There's different ditches. One ditch can be, oh, I'm, I'm still such a bad person. I see how I keep failing. I see how I keep not being still. I see how I keep getting agitated, and we go into this pity party or beating ourselves up, more cond- condemning ourselves. And we say, God's not, good at, not, not happy with me. I'm not good enough. That's not so. Come back another Sunday, we'll preach from A to Z, the grace of God and the, all that, right? God is not, con- he's not condemning you, he's not beating you up, best day, worst day, and all that. Don't go down that road. So that is not our response. If you say, well, I look and I'm not passing the test, don't beat yourself up. That's going to get you nowhere. That's not it. On the other hand, uh, we, we also, you know, we don't say, well, I'm going to, you know, I, I see I'm not passing this test. And so come hell or high water, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to change me if it's the last thing that I do. No, that's called self-effort. Don't go in that ditch either. Because you're not, you can try for 50 years and not change your bad habits. Not change you leaving the place. I mean, you, you don't do that. So what is the proper response? If I say, well, I look at myself and I'm being thrown all the time. I'm not passing the pressure test. I, I, the pressure comes and I fall apart. What do I do, Nathan? Don't beat yourself up. Don't try to fix it on your own strength, by all means. So what do we do? We do what the scriptures say. We come back to God and get a greater understanding of his love for us. You see, the scriptures say that faith works by love. Faith, faith, faith. The faith to overcome the challenge. The faith to remain calm in the midst of the pressure. How does it work? How is it fueled? How is it initiated? How is it released? By love. And the more I know I'm loved by the Father, the more this faith to stay calm in the midst of the test is released in my life. Amen? What did Paul pray for Ephesians? He prayed, I pray their eyes, I mean, their lives were surrounded by pressures, right? But he didn't pray for the pressures to be removed. He prayed, he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be open so that you could know the height, the width, the depth of his love for you. Because when we know how loved we are, faith is released. So the proper response this morning, yes, God is asking us like a loving father to mature, to remain still in the midst of the storm. But if we find ourselves unable to do it, don't beat yourself up. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Come back to understanding his love in Christ Jesus. I thank you how loved I am, Jesus. Jesus, I see how I'm being pressured on every side, and I'm not holding up to this test. I'm falling apart. I lost it on someone yesterday. I'm not talking about myself right now. I'm just paraphrasing. I lost it on someone yesterday. I lost my cool on the 401, the DVP, and try. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here. But, but we come to God and say, this is where I'm at. He doesn't turn you away. He's a loving father. 
Did you ever turn your son or daughter away when they submitted to you? You say, I'm having a hard time growing in this area. You don't turn them away. Come on now. You help them. And your loving father will come with his, by his spirit and by his presence. And he'll overwhelm you with his love. And with your release of faith to remain calm in the midst of the storm. I'm not asking you to solve this on your own strength. God, more importantly, God's not asking us to solve this in our own strength. He's saying, come to this realization by grace. Amen? Like a kid, when you know that your parents support you, you think you can conquer the moon, go to the moon and back. Amen? And so my question this morning is, could it be that the thing that's frustrating us today, God's really at work behind the scenes for our good, for your good? In the pressure, we don't see it. It's hard to see it. But could it be that, that God's behind the scenes working it out for your best? It's like a story I heard, and this is a fake story, but you'll get the point of it. A story I heard of a lady that she, she was complaining to God one day at the end of the day. She was complaining to God and saying, God, this has been just a crummy day, the worst day. I can't believe how you allowed me to have such a horrible day. She said, I, my alarm didn't go off, and I got up late. I end up late for work. Then at lunch, uh, uh, you know, I, I got the sa- wrong sa- they gave me the wrong sandwich. I had to go back. It delayed me getting back again to work. And then on my way home, I was driving home, and I dropped the cell phone. I was talking to my friend, dropped the cell phone. Then I get home, and I was tired. I was anxious. My foot massager wouldn't turn on. Complaining, grumbling to God, like we've all been there. I'm sure I've been there. We've all been there. You know, God, why didn't you do something be- better for me? But God responds to her and says, you know what? I was at work the entire time today. I caused your alarm not to go off so that the drunk driver that was on the road in your normal time of going to work didn't, wouldn't hurt you. And I caused the sandwich to get you get the wrong sandwich the first day to get a new one because the one who prepared your first sandwich was sick and I didn't want you sick. And then I caused you to drop the phone or allowed you to drop the phone because the person you were talking to was about to spew gossip all over you that would have contaminated you. And then I didn't let your foot massager turn on because there was a short circuit in it and would have blown all the fuses in your house and you would have been sitting there in the dark all night. So you tell me, who was I at work in the midst of your circumstances? You see, sometimes when we look at our life, we can't see it, but we, we need the eyes of faith to know that God is at work behind the scenes for our best. This is how we can remain calm in the pressure. And it's freeing when we can look at the pressure and remain calm and still in the midst of it. And how can we do that? Knowing, by knowing that our loving Father is at work behind the scenes even when we don't see it. Amen? King David, he was called to be the next king of Israel. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel. This is a big dream. But how many know his dream was greatly delayed by a jealous man named Saul? And Saul hunted him around, and he was, he was doing all kinds of nasty things. David did his, David was kind, and, and he, he, was, he soothed Saul when he was upset. But, but it wasn't reciprocated. And you know, in the middle of all this pressure, in Psalm 27, David, they say he was being chased by Saul unjustly through the wilderness, and he was facing pressures every side. And he wrote this, he penned this psalm, he said, as the refining pot is for silver, and as the furnace is for gold, bring forth all the impur- bringing forth all the impurities of metal, so let a man be in his trial of praise. I tell you what, it takes us, it's a sign of maturity when we can say, this is my trial of praise. How can it be a trial of praise? Normally it's a trial of 
grumbling and complaining. But it can be a trial of praise when I know that my God is at work behind the scenes. He's working it out for my advantage. I may not see it now. All I see now is the pressure. But I know he's at work behind the scenes for my best. Maybe you're here today with a lot of pressure you're facing. I'm asking us, yes, to take the to, 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 to come up a little bit higher in our understanding of his love. And to pass the test. Because God has an abundant life for us to live. Yes, we can go to heaven. Yes, we can be loved by God. But he wants us to enjoy this life. And it starts by being still. When that person we thought was for us betrays us. Being still when the report comes in is not as we hoped. Being still when the report comes in the third time is still not what we thought. Being still when it comes in the tenth time and it's still not what we got. Being still and know that he's at work behind the scenes for our advantage. There's people here today, you've been getting bad reports, one after another after another. God's at work behind your, behind your scenes. God is at work behind the scenes. He's asking us today, would you be still? Would you let me do my best in your life? In your workplace, there's promotions with your name on it. In, in relationships, there's a, there's a spouse. We've, I've been making fun of spouses, but it's, there is a beauty in it as well. There's a spouse. There's, your, there's a child with your name on it. Be still and know that he is God. Look one more time at your neighbor and say, be still and know that he is God. Amen? If you believe that and you receive that today, give Jesus a big hand clap of appreciation. Amen? Why don't we all stand together right now? Before we do, I'm going to have singers and musicians come on up here.